Welcome back to Until Saturday, live Saturday night reaction show. And how the hell are we supposed to react to what just happened uh, in Miami? Like, explain this to me. Dave Ubbin with me. I'm Ari Wasserman. Miami could have just won a game against uh, Georgia Tech by taking a knee. Instead, it runs Mm -hmm. the ball. They put the ball on the ground on a play that they didn't need to run to begin with. Georgia Tech gets the ball back with 26 seconds, I believe, left in the game. They throw a Hail Hail Mary, busted coverage, touchdown, Miami loses when all they had to do was take a knee. You alluded to this before we came onto the show, Dave, but the sideline shots of Miami are absolutely heartbreaking. And I just have to ask myself one question. I'm not the smartest guy in the world. In fact, you could probably make the case I'm one of the dumber people in the world. I wouldn't make that case, sorry. Why on earth do you not just take a knee? Why are coaches constantly... I think I saw... Two other games yeah. on Saturday where coaches were running the ball in knee situations. Alabama Why are we making today. the game harder than it is? It's I insane to me. When, when I think it's a clock management issue, and I think whoever's job it is to to handle that, there is a miscommunication and sort of doing the math and your offensive play caller and your head coach and a lot of coaches. So I wrote a story about this a few years ago uh, for a now defunct website about how you sort of handle like clock management and how every staff does it. And some staffs have a guy on the staff, like a position coach that handles all this. So I saw it in Alabama today. Obviously Miami, a disaster here. Um, I mean, that's that's the the Florida State loss to who was it? It was an FCS team a couple years ago. Jacksonville uh, State. Lost, yeah, Jacksonville State on a crazy uh, Hail Mary. I mean, you had that, and then you have an insane busted coverage where you're down, like, I just, this is. I mean, you're over here going on and on and on about the busted coverage. And of course, <laughs> I, I, I'm i with you on that. It's all that stuff. But yeah, just kneel it knee out. the kneel ball. It, uh, yeah. Kneel the ball. Yeah. I can't. You know, the thing that's the hardest part is. The the, the hardest part to me here, Dave, mm-hmm. is that Miami was 4-0. They beat A&M. They had a big game coming up against North Carolina. By yeah. all accounts, they had a very promising season. Uh, brewing at least. I don't know how it would have turned out. I'm sure North Carolina all of a sudden might be one of the two or three best teams in the ACC now. Mm-hmm. But you want to? We're, we're going to get into a segment here. Well, by the way, guys, welcome to Until Saturday, uh, <laughs> where the introduction doesn't matter at all when no, Grabass reaches the highest form. But Mario Cristobal is probably going to have a long night at the podium, and rightfully mm-hmm. so. You know, sometimes. Mistakes are on the players, but sometimes coaches cost their team a game. He lost that game by himself tonight. There's no other way to put it. Yeah, it's on um, the head coach. I mean, we talked about yeah. the, the dereliction of duty and who's doing what on the sidelines and all that stuff, but the head coach's got to answer for it. And at some point, you got to look up at the clock and say, they don't have timeouts. There's whatever, 30 seconds left in the game. We don't need to run a play. And then you run a play. And, you know, there's a real low chance you're going to fumble, even though guys are attacking the ball. But there's a zero percent, well, a less than one percent chance that you're going to turn the ball over on a uh, on a uh, kneel down. We've seen it before. Oklahoma State did it like ten years ago. That's the only time I've seen it in a long, long time. You know, here's the thing too. There are some pretty bad clock management issues in the NFL. Sometimes mm-hmm. there was one on Sunday Night Football last year that everybody was going crazy over, and myself included. I can't remember exactly what the circumstances were. But this stuff seems to only happen, this egregious of an example in college football, where this crazy 
kooky, quirky sport. Just real. It's 1045 central, 1145 Eastern time. You know, you think that a team's just about to wrap up a victory and nope. it's the dumbest shit I've ever seen in my life. And it happens just it underneath your nose. We were getting ready for the show. I had turned it off. I was watching USC and you guys were like, hey, uh, Georgia Tech has the ball. <laughs> I was very confused because I was moving all my stuff from my living room back into my office and I had no idea how it happened. I was like, something stupid must have happened. And I. Uh, let's call that an understatement. Aren't stupid. You? Yeah, stupid. <laughs> uh, so, okay. As we're recording this now, USC is losing to Arizona 17 to 7. We will continue on through the show. And if that continues to be an issue, we will record a new intro and then it'll all make sense at the end. But there was a lot that happened on Saturday some big time results, some upsets, some, uh, you know, just context creators in terms of the, the races. Yeah. And of course, People are dying to hear me talk about Texas. They think I'm going to be sad about Texas losing to Oklahoma in the Red River rivalry. I'm <laughs> going to give you a spoiler. I'm not sad. Maybe a little bit disappointed, but I still feel like I'm in pretty good shape here. Yeah. Um, if you're listening to the show live on the YouTube channel, thank you very much. If you're listening to it on the YouTube channel, also make sure to subscribe to Until Saturday, wherever you listen to podcasts, because we have five shows, six shows a week. Uh, three are live on YouTube, but we have a bunch of stuff on the on the on the mm-hmm. podcast channel. And of course, if you listen on podcast form and you want to see our beautiful faces live, uh, the links in the show description. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel at both places. Could you please like, share, subscribe, comment, whatever you can do to interact with the channel it helps its growth. This is the reaction show Saturday night, Sunday night or Sunday evening, I should say. We do the Sunday sound off show where we incorporate your guys's thoughts. Uh, and voicemails onto the show. If you want to call and hear your voice on that reaction show and be a part of it, please call the until Saturday phone line at 316-462-9852. Again, that's 316-462-9852. You can call, leave a question, comment, concern, uh, rant, praise us, hate us, whatever you want to do. We love hearing your voices and it means a lot to us to have your actual voices on the show. Also, lastly, before we get into the show, Sign up for the Until Saturday newsletter, uh, aptly named the same exact thing at The Athletic. That link is also in the show's description, and you can get your daily fix of college football news coverage and takes to your uh, inbox, your email every day, and you don't have to be subscribed to The Athletic to get it. Okay, we're going to get two games. We're going to get the disappointed fan bases. We're going to keep you updated on this grab ass that's happening in L.A., Uh, But why don't we get right into it? Everybody wants to hear what we have to say about it. It's the Red (laughs) River rivalry. One of the best games of the year. Probably the most fun I've had watching a game this year. Number 12, Oklahoma beats number three, Texas. Neutral field in Dallas, 34 to 30 on a last minute drive. A truly remarkable game. Uh, A lot to take away from this. A lot to unpack. Dave, before I get into my my Texas takes here, uh, what was your main takeaway from watching that game? Well, we, we hit on it a little bit today, Ari. I think two things. I think we have to take Oklahoma seriously as a national championship contender, as a team that, that last year was a blip on the radar. And also, Ari, with some hours to think about it and kind of look at it, mm-hmm. I'm, the Oklahoma fans are going to come for us on this one, but I, Texas was probably the better team today and lost that game. Uh, the turnovers, the red zone issues, all of that stuff, comes out to me as as a troublesome thing um, from Texas that they're going to be kicking themselves that they didn't win that ball game. But ultimately, um, we didn't know what to make of Oklahoma. I, I was 
cautiously optimistic of that team coming into this game. And as long as they were not even just competitive, but they pushed Texas and didn't lose by, you know, 10 or 17 points, I was ready to take this team really, really seriously. And they did that. And I am now. I I think Oklahoma is a team that uh, certainly now has the inside track to the Big 12 championship, but has a mulligan in its back pocket to to get to the playoff. Yeah, so everybody is like, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? Everybody knows that I have tied my (laughs) life raft to the (laughs) Texas cruise ship, and I don't feel like the the Titanic happened today. I think it was two very good teams Mm -hmm. playing a good football game, and my thought process of Texas as a playoff team didn't necessarily mean that they were going to go undefeated. It also didn't mean that I thought they were the best team in college football. And sometimes good teams lose to good teams. So, you know, when you want my tears or you want me to react, I guess now that we're in a playoff scenario for them moving forward, they cannot lose again, no matter what. Yeah. That makes it more enticing week by week to follow mm-hmm. Texas football because we still, you know, we still need a Texas playoff bet. Ari. We still need a playoff bet of some kind. Yeah, you, won't, you know, you won't be as you won't decreased be as a little now, bit today. But. <laughs> but I do think that a it's hard to beat the same team twice in the same season. Yeah, and I I do think that these two teams will end up playing each other again. You know, I think that the thing that we talked about about Texas all year in the preseason for the first month of the season, all of those discussions were about whether or not this team can avoid losing a catastrophic game to an overmatched Big Twelve opponent. Losing to a team that you're favored by seven against in a neutral yeah. field in a rivalry game in which you turn the ball over three times is not the it doesn't cons- yeah. fall into that same category. So while now, disappointed that they haven't put themselves in a position to really control their own destiny and give themselves one of those losses to to overcome, because now there's no margin of error anymore. I don't think that this loss embodied what has made Texas disappointing in the past. So yeah. we'll see we'll see what happens. But if you go look at the stats, you know, they 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 played pretty well. I thought that there were some bad turnovers. One of the turnovers in the red zone got made up a few plays later when they blocked a punt and mm-hmm. landed on the ball in the end zone for a touchdown. So you don't necessarily get to count that. But I thought Quinn Ewers played well. I thought their skill position players played well. I think that maybe this game says more about how we didn't take Oklahoma seriously enough more than it does that like Texas stinks or they're the same team that they've always been. Yeah. I think Texas, you know, you say it's tough to beat a team twice, but I think there is a case to be made that while Oklahoma is very good, Texas beat Texas today and maybe Texas can beat Texas again at some point later this season. I think I, I do think that's true. And I also don't want that to be perceived as taking something away from Oklahoma because I do think Texas is going to be kicking themselves, but I came away from this game really, really impressed with Oklahoma uh, and it, and looking at Oklahoma a lot differently, you know, are we've been we've been alluding to it on the show for a couple weeks that we both were kind of like, all right, Oklahoma, okay. And then today, you know, they kicked down the front door, and as our colleague Chris Vanini wrote, Oklahoma's back. Yeah, and if you go look at the Oklahoma schedule remaining, uh, UCF, Kansas, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, BYU, and TCU. Like they should be undefeated in the regular season. I had West Virginia fans. Right I had West Virginia fans coming for me today for suggesting that OU and Texas are playing again in December. Am I crazy for just sort of not taking them seriously? Well, here's the one thing I will say about I don't buy it yet. your take mm-hmm. is you are somebody who is 
basically assuming that Oklahoma and Texas are playing again, right? In the same I say probably. I'm not okay, saying it's okay, guaranteed. Okay, it, it seems like you're generally assuming it. If one yeah, but team in the same breath the party, saying I don't buy that that's going to be West Virginia. Okay. That's all I'm saying. You can't just assume that they're both going to play again while also assuming that Texas is going to screw it up. So it's like you you got to pick one. Um and if you think that Texas is going to lose another game by not showing up to a um uh overmatched opponent's house and sleepwalking, then we can't assume they're going to play again. But I think that Oklahoma is probably a double-digit favorite against every opponent that they have remaining on their schedule, regardless of where it is, for the remainder of the year. And I think that, you know, like here, listen, this is listed as a topic of conversation here on the on the, on the the sheet. Is Dylan Gabriel the best quarterback in the Big 12 to you right now? I think that, I don't know, that's a big, it's a big question, but it's uh, maybe something worthy of being asked. I, think, I don't know. I think I'd still take a healthy Jalen Daniels, and I'm not sure OU yeah. will be double-digit favorites at KU that probably is a primetime game. Uh, I mean, Kansas is still sitting there at five and one. They might be six, seven and one. Texas when they was play a sixteen and a half point favorite against them. So yeah, but that it's was in Austin, and I, I mean, you might they, they might not be, be an eight be at least point difference because of where it is. Maybe, and it's not like Kansas is well, the most intimidating place to play. That's true, but I, th- I wonder how much Vegas had, how much intel they had on the Jalen Daniels situation too. Yeah. Ultimately, like he Jalen Daniels is the guy that, that gives Kansas a chance to beat a lot of teams, including Oklahoma. Whether or not he can do that, time will tell. But yeah, you look down the schedule. You know, Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley seemed to have one or two games where Spencer Rattler would have a tough night or the offense would would struggle. And we'll see. I don't know that Oklahoma really has their identity under Brent Venables yet. We haven't really seen them. But you look down the schedule, I mean, there's there's not a lot where you say Oklahoma's going to need an A game to win that game. I mean, you can show up with your B, B plus, and you're going to Dallas again at 12-0. and 0. Yeah. I mean, both schedules, if you go look at Texas, they're playing Houston, BYU, Kansas State, who forgot how to play football on national television on Friday night, uh, TCU, Iowa State, and Texas Tech. I think that theirs is marginally more difficult, but I think both yeah. teams should be able to win the rest of their games, thus setting up a rematch in the Big 12 championship game in their final year in the conference, and away we go. So um, I thought that it was just one of the best games of the year. The game never disappoints. Both coaches were in their bags you know, they had some of these laterals on kick returns. They had really interesting play calls. They were going forward in interesting situations. Like, I just thought that, you know, if coaches prepared, I don't even know if it's possible with the amount of hours in a week, but if coaches prepared every week the way that those two teams prepared to play this game on Saturday, it would be a hell of a time to watch college football. And let me just say this, too. I mean, Quinn Ewers took a lot of uh, heat in the regular season um, or in the off season for maybe not being that guy. And I'm seeing some of those comments now in the, he was okay in the chat. He I mean, was 31 for 37 for 346 yards and a touchdown, two interceptions. One was, was deflected. Um, so yeah. I think that we're going to, I'm hoping that we'll see these two teams again. And I think it's possible that it'll be another playoff game heading into the CFP selection show the day after. And it's going to be a hell of a time. And hopefully I'm in Vegas like I was last year for it. So, Okay. Not devastated. All right, guys. So, you know, we still got some of the, we still got some of this left in the tank. Yeah. And 
we'll be following along for the rest of the year. Uh, Texas still controls their fate in the playoff. If uh, Texas does what we've been saying, you've been saying they're going to do all year. They're in the playoff. It's just true. Yeah, the uh, thing I'll say about this game was it was just a good, uh, I don't know how, what the word is, a good example of what makes the sport great. I thought it was pageantry, rivalry, game. great game. Golly, man. I was um, sad I wasn't there. I've been to a lot of Red Rivers and that, man. Yeah. That was awesome. That Being down on the field in a close Red River game in that stadium, which is almost packed, you have the 50-yard line split. Man, it is I saw our guy Sam Kahn had a Fletcher's corny dog on the way into the game, too. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is an elite move having a corn dog at eight thirty in the morning. You know. I, yeah, they go. They go. Uh, there's like a Friday luncheon thing that the that they do for this game, and they serve yeah. the same barbecue at that as they do before the game. So probably a pro move on Sam's part to uh, skew the barbecue in favor of the Fletcher's corny dog. I'm, I can taste the fried Snickers right now. I'm sad I didn't get some. But the next game, Georgia. Had a huge game at home against Kentucky on Saturday night, 14 and a half points. You know, some people wanted to build this out to be a team uh, that could actually push this Georgia team. I uh, would never say something you know, like we, that. We right? thought we thought that maybe this Georgia it. team wasn't clicking on all cylinders or had some problems that were under the hood that could have been exposed. And I think one of us took the points in this one. I don't know who it was. <laughs> uh, but... They win 51-13 and look like Death Star Georgia. What is uh, your take on this? Well, I thought if if Georgia was going to win this game and win it convincingly, we were going to have to see a version of Georgia that we had not seen yet this season. And we did, Ari. We did. Um, I I think this game makes me even more confused about South Carolina and Auburn and what exactly that was because – you know, this is probably still a run-first offense that wants to protect Carson Beck, who has really good arm talent. I don't know that he's uh, he's above average, but I don't know that he's like going to be in the Heisman or a guy that's going to just throw you know throw you uh, uh, to victories every day. But a very good player, and I don't know. It was confusing. I'm confused about this Georgia team. But if this is the Georgia team that we see. This today is a Georgia team that is deserving of number one votes. I'll be very interested if they lost 20 number one votes last week in the polls. I'm curious how many of those they earned back. Because I still think Kentucky's a really good team. I think Kentucky will still flirt with second in the East. They might, they might finish there. And this was not that competitive. And for me, as good as Kentucky's defense played in this game, the offense was that much better. I think they scored on like their first what, six, seven drives? I mean, that that kept Kentucky at bay. And they were moving the ball at will, spreading it around, running the ball effectively, getting ahead of the chains. You can't ask for much more. A, a huge offensive explosion that we just have not seen against Auburn or South Carolina. I think that when you're watching teams and judging teams from a week-to-week basis, I think cumulative resume is important. But I think their most recent showing has to be weighted. Like, I don't think that you can watch this game that Georgia just played and go, well, what the hell happened against South Carolina? I think that that's in the back of your head as you move forward. I think you think about that when you're contextualizing bigger games later on. Is there something that we learned in that South Carolina game or that Auburn game that could, you know, return to bite this team in the ass later on? But when you watch a team play four quarters of damn their perfect football, 
and that is the last thing that you witnessed, I think you go into the following week giving Georgia the credit that they deserve. Now, when it comes to rankings, we had a long discussion last week about where you would rank them based on quality wins or what their schedule, and that doesn't you know, really matter. It's about, it's about whether or not you believe that this team is a clear-cut national championship favorite right now, and I think that in a sport where there is no clear-cut national championship favorite, Georgia probably just has to be the baseline answer because who else do you pick? I mean, I saw some people joking about this, but with Notre Dame losing to Louisville, which we'll get to later in the show, um, Ohio State looking like ass for an entire half against uh, Maryland and, you know, all the other things that have come and gone in the sport, you know, Alabama beating A&M, Alabama losing to Texas, Texas losing to Oklahoma. Like there's a lot of moving parts here. Who do you think is the best team in college football? And I think that it's just a default answer that it's Georgia right now because we've seen warts with everybody else. Well, can we talk about Michigan though? Are we allowed to bring sure, Michigan yeah, into the Yeah, of course. Of course. I mean, I, it, Michigan is a, is a little bit – it's like a different version of Oklahoma in that we know they're untested. We knew the schedule. This is what it was going to be. The schedule is very bad. But again – 10 points today. They've given up 40 points in six games uh, to a Minnesota team. They just dominated them, uh, took over. They were already well in control and then took over in the second half. So I I think you just – they don't have the wins, obviously. But for the lack of shenanigans and TCB every single week, you have to throw Michigan in there. I mean, if you're – uh, if you're, Does TC beats stand for take care of business? Yeah, yeah. Never heard it. I've, the only thing I've ever heard was TCBY. So I, I you lost TCBY me also good. TCBY yeah. and TCBs <laughs> most times. I can tell you that. Um, yeah. So ultimately, I, 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 I will. I think you're probably right. I think certainly, obviously, Georgia's. If your life depended on it, if you were in a room and somebody blocked you from getting out of the room and saying, I know who's (laughs) going to win the national championship there, I'll let you out alive if you pick it. You're going to pick Georgia. There's no one else to pick. That said, Michigan, I think, is a very interesting case. They beat Minnesota 52-10. to Uh, Minnesota isn't the greatest team in the world, but they're not an FCS team. And they threw them around like they they were. It's rude. um, And the whole thing with Michigan's going to be they, they're going to win it's the first time they scored 50 uh, this year so that's good but you know their next few games are Indiana Michigan State Purdue and they don't play Penn State until November 11th so <laughs> I think that we know beyond yeah. the shadow of a doubt that Michigan is one of the six best teams in college football and that's yeah. probably underselling it a little bit maybe even the top four the thing that is hard to do when you're playing a schedule that they're playing and they're in conference play now so it's through no fault of their own but it's how good are you because there's no you know, you're taking the PSAT know. a bunch. Eventually you got to take the SAT and they haven't done it yet. So, you know, we'll, we'll find out shortly. And I'm assuming they have a pretty good chance of beating up on Penn state. I think they're a better team than Penn state. Mm-hmm. The way that they play on the trenches, the fact they demoralize people, like it kind of is reminiscent of last year, Georgia a little bit, or just like no matter who they play on their schedule, granted, not very good teams, but they're playing them. They don't have a chance physically. And I think that that's a second, a second, gear that when you get that in college football you have a shot at it but would you blindly choose michigan to beat georgia tomorrow i don't know that i would no so that's the thing that's it i mean i don't know i think i'd probably pick michigan to be the second best team in college football right now 
I think that's fair. I, I don't know. It's hard. If but they played, here's the, I would say Michigan has like a 35% chance of winning. Maybe Which 40. is a lot higher than I would have given them last year. So yes, yeah, that uh, that's a good sign. And you know what? They may, maybe they'll win a national championship this year. That's not taking anything away. It's just really hard to gauge a team when they play a schedule that doesn't get interesting till mid-November. So yeah. uh, as we move on into the next segments, I just want to let you guys know that Arizona is winning seventeen to seven. USC is inside the ten-yard line, and that is uh, almost halftime. Almost halftime. So. Okay, we are going to get into the most disappointing teams rankings We're we we thought about fan bases and we both came up with a top five list. Yeah, fan bases that are most disappointed in their team's performance this year. <laughs> I think we had some overlap. I think we had some yeah. different answers, but uh, let's get to them. We had the same number one, Ari. Okay, I don't know how we're going to do this. Are we going to? Okay, we're, we're just going to. Release it here. My most disappointing rankings are number one, LSU, number two, Clemson, number three, Notre Dame, after whatever happened out there. And that was hard uh, to watch. Yeah, that that was a that was a rough loss on Saturday night to Louisville. Number four, Texas Tech, and number five, Texas AM, which basically just looks like all of Dave's preseason predictions <laughs> <laughs> in, in one place. But here, here that those are mine. Uh, yeah. I don't know if we have a graphic for yours, Dave, but you had yes. a few different ones. Uh, I have number one, LSU, number two, Texas A&M, number three, Notre Dame, number four, Texas Tech, and number five, Arkansas, with two dishonorable mentions, Ari, to Baylor and UTSA uh, off of my list. It has been a rough year in the Lone Star State uh, for football, uh, Ari, outside, well, I mean, I was going to say outside of Texas, but they didn't have the the greatest day today either. I enjoyed Matthew McConaughey's... uh, sort of sad but swaggy apology tweet video. I don't know what to call it. Did you watch it, Ari? Uh, which one was that? The Matthew McConaughey video he released today. I did not see it, no. I, I, I can only take too much <laughs> Matthew McConaughey content from for one Ari, day. Ari, you're basically Matthew McConaughey most of the time. Except uh, not devastatingly handsome, and I don't have a six-pack. Or a Lincoln, but- Ari. I could have a Lincoln if I wanted one. I've just chosen not to have one. <laughs> yeah, so I guess let's let's start with LSU since we agree on them at number one, Ari. They s- barely survived today against Missouri. Uh, Major Burns cost uh, me a five in a row on my lock of the week. But ultimately, this is a team that already has two losses. One very bad, well, two bad losses because Ole Miss is not a great team. They're a good team. And then you got embarrassed by LSU, I mean, by uh, Florida State on a uh, neutral field to start the season. And for an LSU team that I don't think I was alone in pitching the idea that this is a team that could compete, dare I say, win a national championship. I think a lot of people were nervous, but certainly uh, if you're just looking around and the dudes everywhere ethos, LSU had a lot of them. And they're sitting here. It's October 8th. They have two losses. They might should have had three uh, going on the road to Mizzou today, but they still have two. You're looking up at Alabama, which looks like a much, much tougher uh, ball game. Uh, and I believe they go to Tuscaloosa. So the idea that you're sitting here in October, you're already out of the SEC, I mean, of the, of the, the national championship race. I mean, in theory, maybe... You could win out and have a case to get in the playoff. You'd need a lot of help, but probably not. 
And even the idea of trying to win the SEC West looks tough because, you know, you got to win a bunch of games between now and then. So LSU, a very deserving number one that won today, but the defense is a disaster. Brady Cook throws for like 400 yards. It's it's a problem. Yeah, I think that the LSU, I mean, you did a really good job of breaking all of that down. And I don't really know there's much more to add to that, but that is in addition to the fact that when they play, they just look broken. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, it's just like, they that's it. Like, like that. the, the, the players they have on their team and the results that they're having in terms of what they look like out on the field, um, I think is an implication or a, a key into some dysfunction or some wires not connecting. And I don't know what those are. And I think that's the most disappointing thing. It's like, okay, you can go out and lose to a very good Florida State team. You could even lose to Ole Miss, but they couldn't get a stop in that game. It didn't look like their players were being used in the right way. I didn't see a ton of improvement with their quarterback uh, for year over year. And it just looked like every other possible way that you could have envisioned this team being a national championship contender just did not happen. That's a good way um, to put and it. That, and I, than, I just think that, yeah. Other than Mississippi State, have we seen a flash of LSU looking like the team that a lot of people, myself included, thought they were going to be? broken. Yeah. We it's one thing to lose games. It's another thing that we just we haven't even seen this LSU team. I mean, and it, you know, it reminds me too of like that FSU. Did you see that Hugh Freeze clip? Uh, I think it was last week or two weeks ago where he was talking about how long it takes to build a team. Um, and somebody <laughs> said, actually, Kirby Smart won a national title in year two. Or and he goes, oh, year two, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, got to the national championship game in year two. And he goes, yeah, that doesn't sound right to me. Like it was like really funny. <laughs> Yeah. But it's like, it is year two. You are in Louisiana. You do have a wealth of talent, and you are a very good destination for transfers. There's no reason why your team should look incompetent um, through six weeks of the season. And when you're a team like LSU, too, there has to be a weighted system here of most disappointment also goes hand-in-hand hand with teams with the highest uh, expectations. Yeah, And LSU fans expect a lot from their team. So that's a nice segue, too, to my Number two, which I don't did it not make your list at all? Clemson, Clemson did not make my list. They are I yeah, I will that's, hear you that's out, banana but. land. Um, I don't know how that's even possible. You have a team that you know hired one of the sexiest uh, you know hires of the offseason and Garrett Riley to be the offensive mm-hmm. coordinator. Uh, you have Cade Klubnick coming back. You have a top four talent composite team coming into the season, and you know you have a team that you know by and large should have been the favorite to win the ACC. And then you come out in the first game of the year and not only lose to Duke, but lay an egg in a very similar fashion to the way that things were going the, the previous year. And then now to lose two in a row, obviously, or not two in a row, two already in this season. Another hard-fought loss where a game that they could have won against Florida State could have gotten their season back on track and then gotten completely eliminated uh, by mid-October out of the national championship discussion during a, a fan base that had become accustomed to being in the thick of that discussion year over year, regardless of turnover on staff or roster, how on how on earth could they not make your list? It's a complete disaster in their minds. Even if they go I still to think continue to okay. win out, I mean, they're not I think, okay. I, they're out. I think this, this is, isn't this next is, year. This is a this is a a preseason expectations. I think, and this is I had a lot more modest expectations for Clemson preseason. I think what you said is correct, and I thought the Garrett Riley Clay Klubnick thing might be something special. But I still had a lot of questions about this Clemson team, and the talent composite is what the talent com is what the talent composite is. But they that Duke game was weird. They had a bunch of weird red zone stuff. I haven't come away with this thinking 
this is a completely different team than the team that we expected to see in the preseason. I think they've just lost games to good teams. The other teams on my list, when I look at them, I'm saying this is not the team that I thought we were going to see. Clemson is out of the national championship discourse. They're done. Yeah, but all right, they were never in it for me. And they maybe were never that's where we it. disagree. No, not they to me. They were like the favorite no. to win the ACC. Every okay. Power 5 team that's a favorite to win their conference is in it. <laughs> okay. And we're talking just, about a team that is in it every single year for the most for part. For the record, I picked Florida State to win the ACC this year. I, so. That's a really savvy pick. I'm happy for you. You don't think their Thank fans you. thought they were going to be in it? Maybe so. We're talking about disappointed fans. We're not talking All about right. what you thought they may or may not be. That's they, fair. They're, they're supposed to be I in the... I still think the, Clemson looks up at the end of the year and they're 10-2 and two and they're fine. And that would they probably be the five seed next year. And that's what you're going to get next year. But now, they're out. <laughs> Careful, we're going to derail the whole show. I'm just saying it's beautiful. The they're show. done. <laughs> they lost twice and they're out. Now we don't got to think about them anymore. Sounds like a lot of irrelevant games. It'd be nice if some of those were relevant down the stretch, don't you think, Ari? Yeah, we had some relevant games and they lost them. And now they're paying the consequences <laughs> for losing them because that is the way that life works. You show up for a job interview or you don't show up for it. You don't get to do it again. Okay. Well, my number, my number two, Ari, is A&M. <laughs> and, oh boy, man, I thought yeah. they could get the job done today. I, I came away from this game today thinking more about Alabama and being more impressed with Alabama personally than setting off all the alarm bells with A&M. But this is year five, or is it year six, sorry, of the Jimbo experiment? I think it's year six, bud. Oh, and you, you've had one good year during COVID in which you didn't make the playoff and you lost to Alabama by four touchdowns. You haven't won the West, which Brian Kelly did in year one. You have nothing of consequence here, and you already have another season where it's looking like you're going to be looking up at almost everyone. Um, and it's just you, you can't go another you know eight and four, another seven and five, another nine and three. That's that's not good enough. And the games that you could win that would sort of change how the season is viewed, even if the record is not great. You know, you've you've already kind of coughed that up with Alabama. You've still got LSU there at the end. The Miami game, the defensive struggles in that game are a disaster, and then Miami loses tonight. So the idea that, well, we lost to a Miami team that was really underrated and might win the ACC, that seems like that's probably not the case. And Georgia Tech's defense handled them quite well tonight. So uh, A&M, man, it's – you don't want to talk about talent composite. All right, what are they, number three? And yeah. same old Aggies. Same yeah, old Aggies. A&M is I, on I my list too. I didn't take the um, bait this year. I, I kind of thought they'd be an eight or nine win team. I could see like if they made a run and won the West, I was gonna be like, well, finally, I mean, sure. But this looks like the same old Aggies, Ari, and I'm I'm sorry for the Aggie fans, but that's that's where we're at. Yeah. They're on my list too, and since we're using the disappointing loss as a segue to talk about the games. Why don't we talk about the other side of it? Because, yeah. you know, I, like the, thing, the thing that I had a hard time with A&M fans was coming into it. I don't know what their reasonable expectations were for this year and whether or not they can continue to reach those expectations. I think they came into this game on Saturday thinking that if they won this game, they were going to win the West for the first time and, that and make it to Atlanta. True. Probably and, true. you know, that, I mean, that was the opportunity. They didn't just lose to Alabama, which was a chance for them to beat a team like that. And, you know, duplicate some of the other Alabama wins that they've had the last three, four, five years. Mm-hmm. But this was an opportunity to not only win a game on your home field, but then to seize control of your side of the conference in a year where the SEC West is very vulnerable. 
Yeah. And I think that's what's most disappointing. Like they weren't supposed to be in this position in some of their minds and they were, uh, they beat the crap out of Alabama in the first half and then completely laid it out. They scored. Yeah. They, they kicked the field goal uh, in the second half, three points, yeah. uh, but didn't do anything at all. Had a so, field goal blocked. Uh, I wrote, yeah. yeah, yeah, had a field goal blocked that should have been blocked for a touchdown, and then it got called back as of a weird back block call. But here's the thing I want to talk about a little bit with you now, because you were anti-Alabama mm-hmm. uh, coming into the year in terms of their deficiencies. I think those deficiencies were on display. If you watched the Alabama game, you didn't come away thinking that they are awesome. You came away thinking, or at least I did, feeling that that Texas A and M just kind of blew it a little bit. Um, they have a lot of deficiencies. They're a deeply flawed team. Then at the same time, it's like they go in and they beat another top twenty-five team in a consecutive week. They go on a road in a in a hostile environment and just take Texas A and M's lunch money. And then you look at the rest of their schedule, you look at the SEC West, and it's like, is there an inevitability factor that you're starting to feel about Alabama playing in Atlanta this year? Because that's it starting that to way. feel like it. Yeah. It feels like that. I mean, this Alabama team is 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 mentally tough. You saw that today. They're down a touchdown. And Kyle is a I mean, I think Kyle personally, top two or three place to play in the country. You're down a touchdown to a team that really wants to beat you, that's on top of you. They didn't flinch. Credit to Alabama. This is a still a pretty young team. I don't know that you're going to get 186 yards and eight catches out of Jermaine Burton every week. Um, and Jalen Milrow, we didn't we didn't see him get loose, and and A and M clearly did what I thought they were going to do. We talked about this this week. Ari is make him beat you with his arm, and he did that. He now, did. There, yeah. are hand, there are a handful of balls. Twenty three rushing throwing. yards, Dave. Yeah, there's a handful of balls from him where you're just like, oh my gosh, son. Like, <laughs> you got to hit that. But he hit enough. He hit enough. And and they're out of there with a win. And this is not going to be a dominant Alabama team. I think when they play teams that cannot contend with them physically, they're going to bully them a little bit. We've seen that a little bit. But I think they've leaned into who they are. The South Florida experiment, I think they're never going to speak of that again. I think that they've already punted that um, uh, that that's game tape as far as they possibly can. And they're going to design their situation around what Milrow can and can't do. And they did a really nice job of putting him in places to succeed today. And he was good enough to win them the game. And they're not going to play a lot of teams this year that are better than the team that they played today in Kyle field. LSU is probably on that list. We'll see what Tennessee is, but they get them at home. Uh, you know, they, they already choked out Ole Miss, you know, Kentucky, they're on the road. We'll see what Kentucky is. I like but your your uh, words for win, for beating teams. Punked, <laughs> choked out, curb stomped. It's very violent. <laughs> well, football's a violent game, Ari. But yeah. uh, so well, here's the thing that I, I, I wrote inevitable. in the column: Is it possible that Nick Saban's greatest achievement, maybe not greatest, he's got a lot of great achievements. He's done some good stuff, yeah. But as a curtain call, as his as the sun sets on his. Tenure. When I say sunsets, easy, I don't easy, mean Ari, this easy, year, but in the last, easy. I think we can assume maybe it's the last five to seven years of his coaching tenure. That he could take an average or borderline Alabama ass team in comparison to the ones that they've had in the past and still make the playoff or play for even more. Like, like when you think about all the, I think that you can make the case that some of the issues that they've had offensively are because of him. 
So I have a hard time saying like coach of the year for overcoming the adversity that you created, but are they going to Atlanta? Sure. I think they are. Could they Probably. beat Georgia? Sure. Like, could they take this, this Alabama team that is average by every aspect and every metric that you could possibly come up with as it relates to comparing them to former Alabama teams and slide this team into the playoff. It reminds me a little bit of the 14 Blake Sims team a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the worst team of the Saban era coming into it. I don't know. This one probably gives that a run for its money. I don't think that it's out of the question. And people are like, relax. Uh, Alabama stinks. You watch the game. They're not very good. They're going to lose again. And that might be true. But it's not necessarily only about how good or how much improved Alabama is from the Texas or South Florida games. It's also the question is, if it's not Alabama, then who is it? Like, we're getting to the point now where it's just like, if you think Alabama stinks, why don't you take a look around and who they're going to be playing this year? Yeah, and the flaws on offense have gotten a lot of attention because we're so used to Alabama having that dominant offense. I got to look at the numbers, but this is the best Alabama defense in a long time, Ari. You look at and what Sam they're Callen doing. Sam Callen here says, Ari, Bama is not beating UGA. Okay. It's like, they th- okay. Like you, Sam, <laughs> I love you, buddy, and I'm happy that you're here. Do you think you're teaching me something? Like, Do you think that like I don't know that Georgia is a better football team than Alabama right now? But yeah. if Alabama's defense at the end of the year is rocking shit and they're playing in a dome and you have a team that figures it out with the deepest, most talented roster in college football history... It's not a slam dunk, especially considering the fact we're six days removed from half of the Georgia fan base wanted to fire their offensive coordinator. Ole Miss it's scored like, 10 not, points against these guys. Ten I points. don't know that it's it's a foregone. Everything is so cut and dry, foregone conclusion. Do I think that Georgia's going to win the game? Of course I do. I have eyes. We mm-hmm. all have eyes. We see what you see. Is it over? No. I thought it was over a few months ago, a few weeks ago. It's not over. We're just getting started. And the guy that's coaching that football team down there knows a thing or two about how to coach a team. So I'm just saying, if you yeah. thought that this was going to be the last year of the four-team playoff where we um, get some debates and we weren't going to have Alabama involved, you're wrong. And again. It's looking that way. So-so Rick on here. Or so-sick Rick. Bama just beat a team that won four games last year with the emoji. Do you hear what we're saying? We didn't say that Alabama's 2019 LSU. We said they have the pieces to win in a crappy side of their conference and maybe figure it out at the end of the year. Context, context, mm-hmm. context. Mm-hmm. That's it. Should we, should we move down the list, Ari? Yeah, yeah, sure. Sorry, did I lose my Who mind there your, a little bit? That's all right. We both agree at number three. This this is... The, Who's the number, number three? three? Notre Dame. And uh, okay. Ari, this, this was to me on the short list of most shocking results of the year for me. And I think, again, I don't want to lessen what Louisville did tonight. I have it for Jeff Brom. This was really impressive. That was a great crowd in Louisville. Had Donovan Mitchell, Jack Harlow, all the Louisville royalty in town. But Ari, Notre Dame looked like a tired football team that's played a bunch of big football games in a bunch in a, in a bunch of weeks in a row. And that's that what you was, got out of it? That was not, that's not what I got out of it. Okay. Notre Dame is not a great football team. They're a good football team, but Ari, they looked tired. And I, I Louisville is a good Louisville is better than I thought they were going to be. But I didn't come away from that thinking Louisville. Oh, this is a top ten team. I did not come away from that thinking that. Yeah, I think that I came away with it, just like re questioning everything we thought we knew about the sport this year. 
How so? It's like, what do you mean? I'm, like, I'm surprised to hear that. I don't. We're going to get to this later on in the show, um, and I don't know if this is an okay segue now. You say, and a lot of people say that I'm overly tough on Ohio State because of you are my you perspective are. of them. <laughs> are we sure they're very good this year? Like, do you watch Ohio them play? State? Do you watch them play? There's something missing with them, and I yeah. and I I've covered the team long enough to know what great looks like and what what good looks like, and they don't look great. Yes. So they beat Maryland thirty-seven to seventeen. Um, I I I don't know if this means that they're not going to win the national championship or make the playoff or lose to Michigan. There's those are all these questions are going to be answered. All I'll say is that I think Ohio State looks off. They look in the beginning of games, they turn it on, they beat the crap out of Maryland in the second half. But for a minute there, I thought that there was a chance they could lose this game. You know, and Maryland's a little bit better than they've been in the past. And, you know, they did some some things that, you know, like before halftime, they didn't get a field goal because they threw check down in the middle of the field with no timeouts left and the clock ran out, like stupid stuff like that. But they seem fractured in a way that I can't quite put my thumb on. You know, you know what Ohio State looks like to me, Ari? The number 11 team in college football. They look like a team that looks like a team that's going to get bullied by Michigan again. That's what they look like. Yeah, well, but anyway, so we're, we're two weeks removed from Ohio State beating Notre Dame on the road and finding this like grit, tough program defining, we're tough win. And it's like, what if Notre Dame is top ass? All right, do you not think there is something to where Notre Dame was just physically? Sure. I'm sure that there takes was, yeah. a that takes a toll on teams, and th- and this is early in the season. Okay, so they go to uh, NC State. That's not that big of a game, but you have Ohio State, then you have Duke on top of that, and then you go to Louisville. Those are that's a, that's are some quality teams. Maybe not so much NC State, but Ohio State and Duke back to back. Notre Dame looked like Louisville. they didn't know how to run offense tonight. So if you think that's because they're tired, that's fine. They looked completely and utterly inept for four quarters of football. Yeah. And, you know, if you think they're tired, that, that's your prerogative. I think that there's something um, there's something more to it than that. But, you know, and, and listen, like everybody thinks that I'm overreacting. Ohio State is fine. The thing that I love about Ohio State fans, and it's something that's happened to me while on the beat, I will make an observation about the way that the team looks. Everybody on Ohio State's fan base will be like, yeah, you're right. I agree with you. Then as the game goes on and Ohio State starts to pull away, those fans become angry at the notion that was correct at the beginning of the game and dismiss that it's a reality. And my thought process is that they look disinterested. They look a step slow. They look less passionate than other teams that are playing in big games. And it just doesn't seem to be clicking for me. And it might not cost them a game next week. It didn't cost them a game on Saturday, but they consistently play with this type of tenor. And if they do that, it will jump up and bite them in the ass sooner rather than later. So Perhaps. somebody said, I don't believe in you know Kyle McCord. Obviously, he's got a lot of growth to do. The one test that he's had this year with his back against the wall, he let a game winning drive and you know showed some stones. You know, I've got respect for the growth process there. And I'm not even saying that Ohio State can't make the playoff or even win the national championship this year. I'm just telling you from my, I think, seasoned eye of covering that team, 
I know when they have it and when they don't. Mm -hmm. And if you're an Ohio State fan who was honest with yourself watching the game today or watching some of the other games from this year, even the end of the Notre Dame game, they ended up pulling it out. But there is something not quite adding up there. And we'll see who's right and wrong. But, you know, if if you think that uh, um, I'm crazy, then I don't know what games you're watching because that was a very uncomfortable half of football that they played against a team that they didn't they shouldn't have had a, a hard time physically measuring up to. So yeah. Okay, that's the Urban, Ohio State. Urban looked happy. Uh he he what didn't yeah. he even say it? We lost the line of scrimmage the first half. Yeah. Well you said that's if they kind of hard to believe. If they don't if they don't win uh, the line of scrimmage, Day, Mario, I, the, the thing about these Saturday shows is it's hard to get numbers to contextualize in the moment. But by my eyes, I think Notre Dame Ran for nine yards for or nine carries for like half a yard on third and shorts tonight. That was a big thing. The lack of physicality and the lack of creativity for Notre Dame in those short yarded situations over and over and over again tonight. It put them behind the eight ball against the Louisville team that they are better than. They're a better team. You went on the road. It was not going to be an easy game, but you went on the road. You lost to a team that you're better than because you didn't play up to your potential. For whatever reason, you can chalk it up to whatever you want. I do think there's an element of being physically tired after the kind of games that they've played the last couple of weeks. Emotionally, getting back and trying to get up for another team that, you know, for Louisville, a team that has a a, a pretty weak schedule and you get Notre Dame in your house, that's a Super Bowl, right? And they won it tonight. So the short yardage stuff to me jumped out as the most concerning thing from Notre Dame. And I think the way that... We didn't see them blow anybody off the ball. To me, looks like a team that that just didn't have it. But also, too, a reinvigorated ACC race with Florida State, UNC, and Louisville. Now, uh, you know, it'll be fun to see which teams can push it a little bit further than we thought that they could at the beginning yeah. of the year. And some new blood's always exciting. So, you know, hats off to Louisville for physically beating up Notre Dame. Uh, whether it was Notre Dame's fatigue or their schedule, you know, I guess there's probably something to that. But mm-hmm. they they won thirty three to twenty. And Notre Dame's going for it on fourth and eleven from their own thirty yard line with nine minutes left, down by a touchdown. I think right. Yeah, or down by two so. scores at that point. But still, yeah. it was a weird, a weird call um, of desperation that just then the game unraveled. So, um, yeah, that that's, there's a lot to unpack with the, both of those. But um, from a fan base standpoint, I'm sure Notre Dame came in thinking, well, we finally got our quarterback. You know, we have a guy who's a 25 year old man who's might be one of the most handsome men I've ever seen in my entire life it's running impressive. the offense. Um, <laughs> he, he's got it going on, but our to number be four, now Ari, here with, with two losses is a tough pill to swallow. If you're a Notre Dame fan. Yeah. Our number four, we agree on Texas tech. We don't need to belabor it team that had a lot of hype coming into the season. Um, I don't think I added to that in any way. Ari, I wouldn't say that. No, no, all. no. I don't think you did at all, <laughs> but you're sitting here. You've got losses to, Wyoming, which was eye-popping. Oregon, I think that that loss actually aged pretty well. Um, you were in that ball game, but you just lost a really good Oregon team. And then we'll see what West Virginia is. But at the end of the day, you know, you're still not looking anything close to a Big 12 contender, much less a champion or a team that should be taken seriously. So a good win today against Baylor, who we'll talk about in a second as well, I believe. But yeah, Tech... Not not getting it done. Yeah, my list was LSU, Clemson, Notre Dame, Tech, and AM. So I think we covered all of them. Well, my, so my number five is Arkansas, Ari. Yeah. And the vibes are not good. They're not good in Arkansas. 
right now. This is a team. It's never good when your coach is having to delete his Twitter account. Uh, that's a that's a bad sign. Um, but it, it just looks it looks a little hopeless for the first time in a long time for Arkansas. They don't have a conference win yet. They're only they have one uh, FBS win over a Kent State team that got portaled to death. Um, they didn't exactly blow them out of the water. They lost to a BYU team that's not fantastic. Uh, gave one away at LSU, a game that they probably felt like they should have won. You lose to AM, and then today, they, I don't know how to characterize that loss to Ole Miss, but, you know, they weren't the better team today. You're on a four-game losing streak, are you? <laughs> and you look, you look down the schedule, and, you know, there's not a lot of wins left, and you got to go to Bama next week. So, Arkansas... I think it's the SEC West is always interesting. And I think this is one of those years where it's like somebody's got to finish last. Seems like it's down Mississippi state and Arkansas, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how's your group uh, chat hanging in there? Are they doing okay? It's going, it's been tough, man. They were, it's quiet, which is that's, that's actually worse than when the fans are angry because apathy is sort of starting to stand up. Like this is hopeless. That's, that's, that's actually a bad sign. And then uh, we'll give a shout out to Baylor who, Seemed like a bowl team before the season, and now looks like the worst team in the Big 12 by quite a margin. They're getting bullied by My lock of the week, week was Texas Tech minus one, and they On won the by a lot more than one. Yes, so they that did. was a, that was an easy win. Yeah. And it never even seemed like they had to sweat in that game. So mm-hmm. um and Dave, let me let me interject here one last one too. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we have we'd submitted our disappointment rankings before the Miami game. I think we both can add Miami somewhere into that list. I mean, I guess they're still five and one. Like you still control dude, your fate. Dude, I know. Dude. I don't disagree. When that your coach loses bad, that, game, I don't like Ralph Russo from the AP just tweet texted us in the group chat. That was amongst the worst losses I have ever seen a college football team take. I honestly cannot recall a worse one off the top of my head. Uh, USC is down seventeen to fourteen at halftime, and then Arizona. Mm-hmm. They're gets driving. the ball back in the first and has a 45-yard run to get down into the red zone. So yeah, I have it on. We might be back here tonight, Dave. I, I hope it's, we're not. I'm tired. I was going to stay up and watch uh, it. I, I, listen, I'm going to stay well, up I'm and watch it, it, but I was hoping to like take my shirt off and lay in bed under the air conditioning and not, not get up again. All right, but, I feel you know. like there's a certain sect of listeners who'd be into that to that kind of a reaction show. Yeah, so. just like here's Ari from his bed uh, while his <laughs> wife's in Napa Valley with all of his friends with the shirt off. Gets, you know, to get the hamburger meat, you know, the chest hair. Um some of us don't have chest hair, are you? Yeah, okay. I know. Uh, <laughs> let's let's get to some of the other victories that we should talk about, though. Yeah. Wyoming, you know, I think you mentioned this a little bit. Snap Fresno State's 14-game winning streak went 24-19. Wyoming had Texas on the ropes. We are, uh, like, one Texas went away from them being, like, a top-four team in the country right now. <laughs> I guess yeah. Wyoming is just awesome this year. Craig Bull, baby. Um, Craig Bull. They got their quarterback back. Uh, I picked this. I thought they'd win outright. I'm sorry, Mikey Keene, but yeah, Wyoming is the place to be, man. And and again, I don't think a lot of people were watching. I didn't see a lot of chatter about this game. I had it on a secondary screen, but props to Fox for putting this game on. That was awesome. UCLA upset number 13, Washington State, 25-17. That was kind of a weird game that we didn't know what to do with the spread. I think it was three and a half. Washington State came into the game undefeated. They were getting three and a half points. I guess UCLA, who's unranked as a one-loss team, upset number 13, Washington State, 25-17. Yeah, Ari, I told you this was one where I wanted to believe Vegas and not my eyes because my eyes said Washington State should win this game. 
USC or UCLA, people are sleeping on their defense. I don't think people realize how good UCLA's defense is. Uh, coordinator hires can change things in a hurry. Um, so shout out to UCLA, uh, who is 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 stopping teams, and they gave they made it a long night for Cam Ward out there. So. What do your eyes say? Okay, why don't we do a little bit of a high five for the group of five? Yes. We're going to quickly acknowledge some of the G5 results. UAB hangs 56 points on USF, wins 56 to 35. It's their first AAC win for UAB. Yeah, UAB uh, or USF had some good vibes. Uh, Alex Golish, I like that hire. Um, shout out to UAB. That's a really good win for them. And also, uh, I hope. Trey Dilfer, he didn't go viral in this game. That's an improvement from the from last week. So, <laughs> at least when Trent Dilfer went viral, it was game re- like went crazy. It was yeah. something that happened in the game with an assistant coach, and it wasn't just some poor red coat trying to like, you know, help him find his well, way. He also went viral. He, he went viral for doing the same thing to a player at Lipscomb in high school, like a few years ago. It, it's it's not a good look, coaches. It's not a good God look. Yelling you, at your assistants, yelling at your coach, players. I would, I would yell like that all the time. I know, but I don't think, I think, I don't know Trent, and I don't know what, but I think in general, in general, those things belie a lack of control. I don't think they accomplish a whole lot. And I, I don't want to derail everything into a Dion conversation, Ari. You don't? Like, we I almost don't. made it through the episode. I know, but like, I think his sideline demeanor is really, really interesting to me. In that he has had a lot of reasons on this team to like belittle or get angry hugs people or do a lot. A lot. A it's lot a of lot hugs. of hugging. And did you see yeah. the moment also in the Colorado State game, Ari? Jimmy Horn had a disaster of a game. He grabs him by the shoulder, says, Hey, I believe in you. You're better than this. We're gonna need you. And he gets the game winning touchdown, you know, uh, or game tying touchdown, I guess, on that last play with Henry Blackburn chasing him down. I'm just saying, I think that when you go off on people, whether it's an assistant, it's a bad look players it's a bad look i don't know that it accomplishes anything i think it's just a coach sort of needing to like blow off steam or something I, i'm not sure a lot of times it accomplishes a lot maybe for some guys some guys respond to that but in general i, I don't know that it accomplishes a lot uh do you want to just take people quickly through the colorado win real quick uh, and then we can yeah. get back to the g5 high five that you hijacked because you don't care about the little guy <laughs> Yes, yeah, sorry. I'm the one who doesn't care about the little guy. Uh, <laughs> you got to get wins if you're Colorado. Arizona State hasn't beaten an FBS team, but they can put up some points. Colorado did the Colorado thing. They couldn't protect. They couldn't protect Shador today. Uh, their defense was pretty holy. They were behind a lot of that ball game, but uh, got a clutch drive. Shador Sanders leads them down the field. They get a game-winning field goal. Uh, Won the game, and then Shador flashed the wrist to the Arizona State student section after the ball game. You know, it's a it was a very Colorado ball game. This is who this team is, and so you know, props to them. They're going to be probably bowling. So props to Colorado for winning in regulation for all of those uh, people out there that had the under. <laughs> um, I almost went to overtime, and that would have been a bad bad also, kick in the knackers. Can I, Ari, we we mentioned this also. Can I can I go off? On our media brethren, briefly, Ari. What, did somebody do something that pissed you off? No, not sort of, kind of. So there was a big hubbub, and maybe I'm too close to the Colorado situation. There was a big hubbub this week that the Peach Bowl was at Colorado's game last week, which they were. I saw them there, and I think Keyshawn Johnson said it, and a bunch of people were talking about it, and there was this idea that these bowls are going to pass teams up and take Colorado over other games because they're such a huge TV draw and such huge attention. Listen, 
Colorado's going to be fine when it comes to bowl selection, but like they're not going to get a New Year's Six bowl if they're sitting there at six and six. And like bowl t- bowl execs are at like every game every week. Like there's it's a the bunch way, of them. It's what they do. Yeah. It's it's it just is what it is. Yeah, it's a big expense like, account. They get to go to get the nice steakhouse and watch. I can't the tell you how game not. Or- yes, I can't tell you how not newsworthy it is that a bowl executive from any bowl game shows up to any game ever. It's Those just, sweet blazers. Yeah, it's just, it's whatever. So anyway, please chill out. Again, Ari, this is the thing where there's a lot of people who don't deal with college football a lot talking about Colorado football. And the fact that people were making a big deal of the Peach Bowl people being at the game is like, chill out, guys. Anyway. Do you mind if I get, get back, back to, to talking about the G5 or do you still <laughs> only want to be hyper-focused on the P5? Let's do the let's do the G5, Ari. Let's do the G5, Ari. My sickos game of the week was Northern Illinois against Akron. Northern Illinois dropped 55 points. That's uh, a snap their four game losing skid. Um, Ohio, Miami of Ohio, and Toledo all won today. That's three MAC teams with five and one records. South Alabama scored 55 points in a blowout win over UL Monroe. Uh, UL Lafayette scored 13 straight in the fourth quarter to beat Texas State 34 to 30. That's a good win. That's a good and, win. And uh, there's some good wins out there. Yeah. So why don't all we right. go out? Th- Can I talk about my Sickos game of the week briefly? Yeah. The what Friday was your night, game again? The Friday night game, Nebraska and Illinois. Three second half points, five second half turnovers. That's Sicko's football. I should get, I should get my lock of the week rescinded and granted to me because the Sicko's game. I don't understand the ethos so much. How these Nebraska fans can do it week in and week out. I'm so I sorry, really Nebraska don't. fans. It's not it's, even a. It's not even football. It's worse. And all right, by the way, I, I the the drive to three twenty five. We don't have an official update this week. They scored twenty points in a win over Purdue, mm-hmm. but Iowa for as much as we've been beating them up is five and one. And their only loss is on the road to a top 10 Penn state team. Oh man. Talk about consternation. That, that's the angriest five and 11 or five and one team in America. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Iowa fans. Uh, Deacon Hill who played okay. quarterback for Iowa. Did you see his stats? <laughs> it was three of 14 for 28 in the first half. I saw, I didn't bother to look he at the second finished half. the game. Six of 21. Six I mean, of twenty-one what are we doing, Iowa? This for is 110 like, yards this is, and a touchdown. This is insane. This is insane. Like I, I just, I'm so sorry, Iowa fans, that you have to subject yourself to this. I'm Who sorry. do you think has it worse, I'm Iowa sorry. fans or Nebraska fans? Nebraska fans, right? Because Iowa's winning. The, yeah, you know well, the sick, Nebraska's the sickest... not much better aesthetically at this point. I think it's just they're the Iowa fans are willingly are willingly. So, you know, their staff is willingly subjected to it. I was drive the 325 update, brutal. 24 points, 20 points, 41 points, 0 points, 26 points, 20 points. Season total is 131 points, 21.8 points per game, 194 points away. Iowa has averaged 27.7 points per game for the rest of the season in order to reach their 25 point goal. And I will say that Iowa fans probably have it better. But the sickest thing about this, Dave, is that this is exactly how Kirk Ferentz like wants to win. So like he's like in his office smoking a cigar and like laughing <laughs> with pride, as if like this was a good. This is this is what they want. It's sicko um, ball, man. It is what it is. And like, it like I- was great in the nineties, but like God, six of twenty-one. <laughs> what do you think would happen if I? What would you do? 
If I gave you a million dollars cash right now, you could take the million unmarked bills mm-hmm. that are legal and yours. Mm-hmm. Or if I gave you 25 million, if you could do a simulation of, of Iowa's game and play quarterback and put up better stats than their starter, do you, what would you go for the 25 million or would you put up, or would you just take the do one? I have to, am I allowed to hire my own OC? You have to just play the game that they're playing. No, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I, I, I'm not that. Listen, I've played my share fair of quarterbacks in college intramural games. I've done a little bit of running around, but you, listen. You just take you the money? Me, if you give me a good OC, a QB-friendly OC, who's given me some good windows and some good looks, then maybe. But in that offense, no. What about this? <laughs> I'll give you $100,000 in cash right now. Okay. Or you get $10 million um, if you can bowl a perfect game in the next six months in bowling. No, I wouldn't be able to do it. But I'll you can stay cash. all in the bowling. You have unlimited no, bowling I'm not frames. That good. I probably I don't bowl that much. Do you think you I'm could do it in like six a, months? No, I couldn't do it. If that's all you hard. did was bowl all day, that no, I don't. That's like getting a hole in one, Ari. I think people don't understand how hard it is. It's incredibly hard. I've played a lot more golf in my life. I have one hole in one. Like a perfect game, I no. You have to be much much better at bowling than I am. So no, I'm taking the money. You get to take a cot into the alley. You get your own ball in your own lane. And you can no, bowl balls. I wouldn't be able to do it. I'm telling you, I wouldn't be able to okay. do it. I know I wouldn't. I be feel able like to you'd be it. able. I I think no, no. That if I had a son, or if I wanted to to subject my daughter to this, if I took her to the bowling alley every every day and no. groomed her to be a bowler, no. she could get a 260 average by the time she was in high school. No, I think it's repetitiveness. No, she would get burnt out from bowling and she would hate you. She would not have a 260 average. I would lose my family and then she'd bowl a 130. Okay. Old Todd Marinovich of bowling let's, over let's, here. Let's sign out here. Okay. Uh, locks of the week. Mine was Texas Tech minus one and a half. They won mm-hmm. by 100. I'm three and two on the year of locks of the week. Dave was Mizzou plus six. After he had I right- tweeted that... I had Brady Cook. I tweeted that Brady Cook had been arguably the best quarterback in the SEC this year, which has been true. And he throws a pick six on an attempted game-winning drive. That's it's a shame. It's buddy a shame. of mine, and a really smart buddy of mine, almost a prophet from college, once looked at me and he goes, Ari, sucks to suck. Sucks to suck, Dave. <laughs> uh, and guest guest Seth Emerson's lock of the week was UNC minus 80 or mi- minus eight and a half. That was a nice Might pick. as well I, have been 85. I disagree with um, him on that, but that was a nice I pick. I did too, but it was before Tez Walker got cleared. So yeah, there was a little bit of the pep in their bump. step, and they beat the Syracuse bump. by 100. The yeah. guests on this show, on the Thursday Pick'em show, are four and one with their locks of the week this year. Shout out so to that, So that's good. So, Okay. Um, as we get out of here, the, the final update I will give you on the USC uh, Arizona game is Arizona is winning 20 to 14. USC has the ball on the edge of Arizona's red zone. U of A kicked a cowardly field goal on the last drive after calling a timeout, which in my opinion signified that they were going to lose. If they end up winning somehow, uh, we will be back at two in the morning in order to do this again. Mm-hmm. My hope is that I will be sleeping and we won't have to do that. But then that goes to show you that, you know, I don't care about my alma mater. You know, I got the helmet. There. I got some, I got to have some ice cream. And Ari, listen, I don't have a 6 a.m. flight in the morning. Some of us do have church in the morning, but I'm going to eat some ice cream. Are you going to watch, church? Yeah. Watch the fourth quarter of this ball game and hopefully go to sleep. But uh, do, if do not, you still I'll go to church you. on days where the NFL's in London? Yes. Ari. Okay. I just, I didn't know like if there was like any, like 
give and take on that with the Lord, you know, in terms of watching. No, the, I don't. The Lord the, still the Bills still, Jaguar game. He still oversees Europe. No, he, he's okay. there's no breaks. Okay. I didn't for the know. Jets. Like it's prime time at eight thirty in the morning. You know, it's like <laughs> there's got to be some give and take here. All right, guys, uh, that was. <laughs> I'm getting delusional here. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in until uh, to until Saturday. Be sure to follow the podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, so that you'll be notified whenever new episodes are up. We always appreciate a five-star rating and review uh, on the podcast mechanism or on the YouTube channel. Uh, The links to the YouTube channel can be found in the podcast show description and the YouTube channel can be found vice versa. You get it. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We will be live again on Sunday afternoon for Sunday sound off until then for Dave Ubbin. I'm Ari Wasserman. That was the latest edition of until Saturday. Bring back the turnover chain.